Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. For over 40 years, Mount Pisgah Arboretum in Eugene has held a mushroom festival in the fall. It's one of the largest such festivals on the West Coast, with upwards of 400 different varieties on display. It's happening again this weekend. Chris Malati is the president of the board of directors of the Cascade Mycological Society. He joins us now to talk about this festival and fungi more broadly. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, it's great to have you on. What can people expect at this year's festival? Well, um, if you've never been to the Mount Pisgah Arboretum Mushroom Festival, it's a one-day event, and it's truly a festival. So we, the Cascade Mycological Society, along with Lane Community College um, Biology Department, work with the Arboretum to collect wild mushrooms within our area, usually within Lane County. Sometimes we go a little bit north and south of Lane County um, to collect fresh mushrooms. And then we have um, expert mycologists come to identify them. And then we place them on um, decorative tables with identification cards, which give the common name, the scientific name, the edibility, some information about the mushroom itself, say spore color and such, and a little bit about the habitat. So there's a whole lot of educational information provided for each identified mushroom species there. And then in addition to that large display, which you mentioned, the several hundred species on display, and it it varies year to year depending on how good of a mushroom year it is. Um, There are lots of activities. There's uh, live music, live music stage. There are vendors selling food and beverages, of course, lots of mushroom-themed foods as well as uh, traditional foods like pizza and such. Um, And then there are vendors selling actual uh, wild-crafted and cultivated mushrooms, cultivated mushroom kits, um, lots of art vendors that um, have uh, some are mushroom themed, most are nature themed because it's the Arboretum. Um, there's a horse-drawn hayride, there are fresh apple cider pressing, um, and if you want some of that fresh apple cider, you need, get, need to get there early in the day, it always sells out. Uh, there's a scarecrow contest, so individuals and groups of people, including um, classrooms of children, get together and build scarecrows, and then there's a they're on display, and uh, the attendees get to vote on who wins what prizes. There's several different classifications of prizes for the scarecrow contest. There's a whole um, separate uh, tent venue pil- pavilion for kids' activities where they can interact with mushrooms and learn about the different forms um, and get some hands-on experience playing with mushrooms, uh, coloring um, mushrooms and that sort of things. You mentioned that Um, that the number of mushrooms that are going to be on the display, hundreds of them just from, from around Lane County, it varies year by year depending on how good a mushroom year it is. What does this year look like? This year is better than the last few. Um, As most people who are Northwest and uh, Oregon residents know, we've been in an extended drought period for over 10 years. So the last probably three years or so have been fairly light on the rain at the right time uh, to produce the 
delicious edible mushrooms and the um, the whole variety of fungi out there. This year, we've seemed to have had enough rain at the right periods of time that is shaping up to be a pretty decent mushroom season. Hmm. When did you first get interested in mushrooms? Well, I had always had a inkling that they were important. My background's in wildlife biology. Um, and when I was at, um, when I was growing up, wild mushrooms were a part of what we shared as an extended family, but we never picked them ourselves. We didn't have that um, knowledge, but we had like a great uncle or something who would pick them and, um, but never show us the spots. So it wasn't Even until I moved. in your family, that was, he kept that a secret. Oh, absolutely. In fact, there are lots of, <clears throat> um, for example, in Russia, mushrooming and mushrooms are a huge part of their culture. But up until just a few years ago, there was not one mycological society in the whole country of Russia, which is, has 12 different time zones, because they didn't want to share huh. their knowledge. So things are changing now there, um, and it's part of what we do as a mycological society is help educate people about mushrooms, their, their role in the ecology, uh, where to go to find them, how to find them, how to identify them, and so, but, how but, to do that. But, so then, like, but then back to your story. So you said that, that mm-hmm. mushrooms were a part of your family life in an extended way, but, but not mm-hmm. something that you did yourself. When did that change? That changed in 1995 for me. I had um, I'd been a LCC student at the Lane Community College in science and had heard about the biology of mushrooms class in those days, um, taught by the late, great Freeman Rowe. He was the person who developed that class, and also he was the originator of this Mount Pisgah Arboretum Mushroom Show, hence the connection with LCC still to this day. So it wasn't until after I graduated from Oregon State with my degree in wildlife biology that I was able to fit that class into my life. And I went back as a returning student, um, which you get preference for applying for classes. Um, And it was so popular, I was still on the wait list. Um, But in 1995, the fall of, I took that college class, the biology of mushrooms with Freeman Rowe. And our first field trip, I believe it was into the Cascades, that person, Freeman Rowe, identified over a hundred mushroom species by sight, Hmm. and it blew me away. Hmm. And that hooked me. That really did. That that one day uh, changed my life. What was it about that identification feat that that blew you away and and that changed the the course of your life? Well... Before then, uh, you know, mo- a lot of people get into mushrooming because you can find wild mushrooms that you can eat. Yes. And that's that's usually how people approach mushrooming, uh, learning about fungi and all. And um, that one day where I saw somebody with a vast knowledge of not just the edible species out there, but the whole gamut of fungi and forest environment and how they interacted and how important they were to the ecology and how it tied back to my um, uh, career in wildlife, it uh, really pulled all things together for me. Hmm. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now uh, about the Mount Pisgah Arboretum Mushroom Festival. It's happening this Sunday. It's always the last Sunday in November 
in Eugene. In October. Did I say September? Oh, you said November. November. Okay. But. Well, it, it, it remains October, even if I'm imagining the future right now. Um, thanks for the correction. One of your board members, Lee Yamada, told the Daily Emerald, the, the student newspaper at the U of O, uh, last year, that he tries to keep the fun in fungus. How do you do that? How do you make this fun and lure other people to join you? Well, um, it mushrooming is inherently um, something you learn from other people. You can learn from books, but you know it's it's hard to identify a three dimensional species or in, um, mushroom when all you have is a flat picture. And if you're going to eat it, you're risking, you know, the potential that you've made a wrong identification, possibly giving you upset stomach or toxic poisoning and maybe losing your liver or your life. So there's a real necessity um, for people who want to enjoy this hobby to do it safely. And that's where we come in. And part of the fun aspect of it is... um, learning about the diversity and how it's all connected and and then ex- how to find the mushrooms where to find them what to do with them after you find them if you're going to eat them um, we even produced a, a cookbook to help people um, in that category if you're going to eat mushrooms here's the um, different recipes for different types hmm. it strikes me that unlike say, looking for some reclusive animal that has a really specific habitat or is going to shy away from humans, one of the benefits of mushrooming is that, that some of them appear to be everywhere. A couple of weeks ago after some rain, I just I saw them spreading on grassy patches and dirt patches and near logs, seemingly everywhere I looked. How much are you always on the lookout for mushrooms? Uh, all the time. <laughs> and when when I use the term mushrooms, I really mean fungi. So that includes the typical things we think of of a cap and stem mushroom, but also, as you mentioned, some of the wood rotters that look completely different. There are shelving mushrooms, there are resupinid or, or fungi that just lay on top of the substrate. So there'll just be a kind of almost like a mold on a, a log or something. Um, there are fungi literally everywhere. The more mycologists and scientists look, the more we find fungi as intricate partners and in nearly all living beings, particularly in forest environments. And here in the Northwest, that's where our real big focus is on mushrooms. Sure, they incur in lawns and such. And there are types of mushrooms that you can cultivate. Those are the sap probes, the ones that actually like eat cellulose, the ones that are growing on wood. And those are the ones you find year-round in the supermarkets, the button mushrooms, the portobellos, the oysters, the shiitake, the inoki. Those are all sap probes. But some of the most important fungi to the forest ecosystems are the ones that are mycorrhizal. Have you ever heard that term? Dave? I have, and I love it, but I, I always like re-explanations. I mean, the thing I love about it is is the idea that there are vast, not invisible, but but barely visible to us, networks underground. That's as far as my awareness goes. What more do we need to know? Well, um, I'll do it quickly because we're running out of time here. But mycorrhizal, um, the Latin word root myco means fungi, rhiza means root. So literally this describes a relationship where the fungi makes an intimate 
connection with the roots of trees and shrubs and sometimes herbs. So our state mushroom declared in 1999, the golden chanterelle, can only be found in a forest setting. It's not a mushroom that can be cultivated. It cannot be commercially grown in greenhouses or anything like that. It only grows in a forest situation. Um, other mushrooms like the porcini, which is found throughout the Northern Hemisphere and revered in lots of countries, um, is also found here in Oregon. And it's also a mycorrhizal species, so grows in association with forest trees. So there's a huge bunch of wildcrafted fungi that show up in commercial markets that are commercially harvested by wildcrafters. And that's the only way that we can find them either uh, to going out in that forest system and because they're mycorrhizal, they cannot be um, produced commercially. Are mushroom hunters like birders where many people have a life list? Um, I would call that late stage mycology. <laughs> <laughs> Are you in it? Uh, yes. My, my wife and I have, um, have been doing it even before we were a couple. And uh, she's now moved on to much tinier and esoteric things like slime molds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but you're, you're focused so, on the bigger ones. Yeah. Um, the bigger, we call them macro fungi, are, are what attract people to the hobby of mushrooming. And it's what is going to be on display on Sunday at the Mount Piscar Burrito Mushroom Festival. We will have some minute things, but the majority of them will big, be big, identifiable mushrooms that um, you're typically see in the forest environment. So Oregonians will have to wait for the slime mold festival. That comes at some point in the future. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, you can you can check on Oregon Field Guide. They did a, a show on slime molds, and I believe last year it's, it's still up there. It's a really good uh, introduction to this. It um, is always better when guests do the OPB plugs, and I don't even have to. Chris <laughs> Milotti, it was a pleasure having you on. Have fun this weekend. We will. Come and see us at the Mount Piscar Burrito Mushroom Festival. That's Chris Malati, president of the board of directors of the Cascade Mycological Society. And as I tried to say earlier, the festival is this Sunday. It's the last Sunday in October every year. Monday on the show, William Mansfield started his law career in 1953, and he is still at it 70 years later. At the age of 94, he's now the longest practicing lawyer in Oregon. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. Have a great weekend. Think Out Loud is supported by Steve and Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Michael, Kristen, Andrew Kern, and Anna Sanford. Thank you.